Exodus chapter 15, we'll begin verse number 22. Exodus 15, 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink of the water of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord shewed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters." I'd like for you to notice, maybe I don't want you to read it all, but I'd like for you to notice from chapter 15, verse 1, to 15, verse 21, is a lot of singing and praising and thanking God. They've just been delivered from Pharaoh, brought through the Red Sea, saw Pharaoh's army drowned, in the sea, and you talk about a people that are on the top of the mountain. Here is a people that are on the top of the mountain. And I'd like to, for you to notice this verse that uh, Miriam says. Well, I'm looking, but I'm looking for a particular word. Verse number 18. Thank you. Thank you. We'll look there as well. So as they're singing and they're praising, listen to what verse 18 says. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. You know, at that point in time, they believed God's in control. God's got it all in hand. Look how the Lord has delivered us. Look what God has done for us. And Miriam, in verse 21, Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for He had triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath He thrown in the sea. Now that's 21 verses. I don't know how else you could say it, of great praise, believing God, thinking that God is on the throne and God is reigning. But verse number 22, we see a trial coming. 
And you know, this trial, according to what the Lord says, is to prove them. And if we read in Deuteronomy, and we may very well read there, that the Lord led them for 40 years through the wilderness to prove them. And I believe you could say this, that over and over and over, that it's like this. It is. That life is like this. Even spiritual life. I'm not saying that our spiritual life is a roller coaster, but I'm saying that life brings things that makes us think that God is changing. But God is not changing. Verse number 18 is just as true in verse number 22 and 23 as it was in verse number 18. But know this, you know today, today there's snow. Tomorrow it's supposed to be up in the 50s and Friday in the 60s. That's quite a change, isn't it? Just today, here we are praising God for 21 verses, and I mean on the top of the mountain. There is no trial. There is no God too big. When David finishes his victory that they sang about, all of Israel joined in when when David took Goliath down, they pursued and run the Philistines out of town. But you know, there was a trial there. There was a man that stood forth in the trial. And God, <coughs> you know, if there's no trials, will there be any victories? Why? Why did God bring this? Let's just walk down through the verses, if you would. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and went out into the wilderness of Shur, a desert, that's all that word Shur means, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Would you say that was a trial? I mean, we're not talking about uh, quail. We're not talking about drinking wine. We're not talking about eating grapes. We're talking about what's absolutely necessary. We've got to have water. By, by history and by what science says, they're about to the limit of living, aren't they? Is that about right, Chris? So about three days. Three days into the wilderness. Now, did Moses, as we read this, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness. I ask you this, is verse number 18 still true right here? Is God the one really doing the leading? Do you think that Moses is following God? I believe Moses is following God. And you know, if you're a child of God, know this, that it's the Lord who is in control of all things. And I believe that it's God right here that's bringing the children of Israel. And they are, they are to their limit. They are to their limit and three days with no water. And here they come, verse number 23, And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the water of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore they named the, the name of it was called Marah. So can you see this? 
you would think we come to a water, the trial's over. Wouldn't you think? I mean, three days with no water. Here we've come to water. The trial is over. Thank God the trial is over. All he did is turn the heat up though, didn't he? I tell you, God just brought the, the intensity of the trial to a greater place. For why? Why does God do that? Why does God bring me to a place, bring me to a trial, bring me to a place that looks like I've been delivered. <coughs> and you know, here we are. God turns up the intensity. God makes it look even more impossible. I believe that's the way that the Lord works over and over and over again. He works in that very way to make it look like there is no hope in me. There's no hope in nature right here, is there? Nature has provided water, but nature, and it's God doing that, don't take me wrong, but looking at it from man's perspective, here is nature providing water that man is unable to drink. So we've got a trial, and then God brings a greater intensity. You know, I, I talked to William Roy's daughter just a few days ago. And you know what? It looked like here's... Here, here we've, we've made it across a hurdle. And then the props is jerked out again. Who's doing that? God's doing that. God is the one doing that. And know this, that you and I, if we're children of God, we're going to have trials. And if there is no trial, if there is no chastening, if there is no discipline, is there, if there is no trying of our faith, then are we really a child of God? By the Word of God, if we're without trials, if we're without chastening, are we children of God? Not according to the Bible, we're not. But the trial of our faith being more precious than that of gold that perisheth. I tell you that God is proving Himself. And He is also proving us. So this Word of God said, they murmured against Moses. Isn't that, isn't that what, what are we going to drink, Moses? Now verse number 18, they believe God was reigning forever. Why don't they believe that God is reigning right now? Why is it Moses' fault that I'm in this situation? Why is it somebody else's fault that this trial has come my way? I'll say this, thank God for a sovereign God. Whatever I find my situation, however I find it, I know this, that God is in control of all of it. However, however hopeless it may look, however bitter it may seem, and you know, I, I believe that's the way it is. Many times, the, what the trial comes, it makes us bitter. It makes us bitter, and we're bitter at Moses. We're bitter at the family. We're bitter at this person or that person or the job or, or, or the situation we're in. But know this, it's Almighty God that you're bitter at. It's God who is behind all of it. It is God who is working all things after the counsel of His own will for His own purpose, for His own desire, for His will. And His will and His desire is to prove you. He says in Deuteronomy chapter number... Chapter number 8, I believe. Deuteronomy chapter number... 
chapter number 8 and verse number 2. Listen to these words. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land. Now, do you think there's a spiritual implication about possessing the land? Is there a land for us to possess? Is there a spiritual land? Is there a spiritual possession? Is there spiritual growth for our lives? Well, he says, obey the commands, follow me, go in and live and multiply, possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And remember this, remember, remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years. Is it Moses that's bringing them from the Red Sea to the land of Shur? Is it Moses that's bringing them from the Red Sea to the to the waters of Marah? I tell you, God's behind it. Moses may be on the horizontal, but God is on the vertical. And friend, that's the way that it always is. We may look at it on the time side, and we may look at it on the natural side, and we may look at it from the side of the horizontal, but know this, it's God who has led us all the way. It's God who has brought us. Remember this. Remember to keep the commandments and to uh, possess and to have that that God has promised you. And know this. Remember that it is the Lord that which brought thy God, the Lord thy God which brought thee and led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee to know what was in thine heart. You know what God does? I tell you, friend, until a trial comes, I don't believe that any one of us, we may think we know what's in our heart, but until trials come, honest to God, we don't really know what's in our own heart. But I tell you what, God can bring a trial and reveal unto us what's really on the inside of us. Peter said, everybody may deny you tonight, Lord, but I won't. I'll tell you what, he didn't know what was in his heart. And until the trial comes, until the tribulation comes, until the time of testing comes, we really don't know what's in our own heart, but God is going to prove us and lead us and guide us and humble us and bring us to the place that He proves to us He's Almighty God and we're at His mercy. I led thee. Remember that the Lord thy God led thee forty years in the wilderness. What hope did they have in the wilderness? I tell you, he was a provider of everything. Was he not? Did he not provide shoes for forty years that never rotted down, never wore out? Did He not provide manna on a daily basis for them? Did He not provide quail at their request? And friend, they were sick of it. Did He not give them their request and send leanness into their heart? I'll tell you what He was doing. He was proving them through the trials. The trials that come in our life prove what we are and what we have. I led thee these forty years to prove thee, to humble thee. You know, you know, you know where Israel's gonna get? Israel's gonna complain unto Moses, and Moses is gonna humble himself and pray and seek after the face of God. That's the desire. That's the goal. The goal is not for me to complain about you. 
The goal is not for you to complain about me. The goal is not to complain about the situation. The goal is to humble us and get us to cry out unto God to bring us through this trial. That's the goal, folks. The goal... Now listen, listen again to Deuteronomy. Remember all the way which the Lord... Was there ever a time that He wasn't leading the way? Is there ever a time that He's not in control? Is there ever, has there ever been? It's amazing, uh, friend, how people think God's in control uh, from the Red Sea uh, to the land of Shur. And friend, when we get to the place where we're going three days in the wilderness, it's Moses. Is God in control or not? You need to remember this. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know. You know what? You know what that proving is? It's a revelation. You know what it is? It's the fire under the gold. It's bringing the dross to the top. He's turning up the heat. Why why is He turning up the heat after three days and they come to water and He turns up the heat? He's getting rid of the dross. He's getting rid of the dross. He's revealing unto them what's really in their heart. What's really in their heart, and this this is just the first time, it's going to happen over and over and over again. They're going to murmur against Moses. And I shouldn't say that it's the first time. It's the first time after the Red Sea. But it wasn't the first time. When Moses went into Egypt, they blamed him. Uh, when they brought him down to the Red Sea and Pharaoh was behind him, they blamed him. And here they are blaming him again. It's, isn't it amazing? Uh, on that victory, when, the, when Pharaoh's army is drowned, when they see the chariots under the water, when they see Pharaoh's army washing up on the shore, they've got praise and honor and glory for God. Nothing for Moses. But when the trouble comes, it's Moses' fault. This is well. Them, 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 them Israelites. They're they're a terrible lot, ain't they? <laughs> Raise your hand. You're one of them. You're one of them. We're all made out of the same stuff. That's exactly right. We're looking, we're looking backward as we read Exodus chapter 15. We're looking backward. We're seeing how foolish they were. But tomorrow now, when tomorrow comes and it's my turn, when tomorrow comes and it's your turn, will we have the same confidence in God that we say that they should have had in God Who are we going to blame tomorrow? Can I say, God, it's you that's brought me here? Can I say, God, it is you, O Lord, verse, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? What, 
What, Lord? What would you have us to do? What would you... You know, they forgot. They forgot the Red Sea, hadn't they? Three days, they forgot the Red Sea. Ain't that amazing? Three days, they've got for, they, they have forgotten the greatest victory visibly that God has ever shown them. Egypt is destroyed. Pharaoh's greatest, Pharaoh's prize, Pharaoh's glory has been destroyed in the Red Sea and three days later, they forgot it. You know what the Lord said? Have you forgot the loaves? Have you forgot the 5,000? Have you forgot what we, what I did just a day or two ago? Have you forgotten that I fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes? Have you forgotten what you picked up and carried and put in the boat before we left? Have you forgot we're in a storm, Lord? We're in a storm and we're in a trial and it looks like we're going to die. What is going on here? Have you forgot the loaves that you got with you in the boat? I believe Moses is our example. They're going to whine and complain to Moses. Moses is going to cry to the Lord. And Moses, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord shoot him a tree. <laughs> you know, I thought about when I read, was reading that and thinking on that today, I thought about Hezekiah. What did Hezekiah do? Well, old Sennacherib sent him a letter said, I'm going to come over and wipe the ground with you. I'm going to come over and annihilate you. Hezekiah took the letter and went up to the house of God and he said, Lord, read this letter. Thank God we've got somebody we can go to, somebody we can cry to, somebody who has got an ear and got his hand. I know what he is. He's got his ear pin. His ear, ladies and gentlemen, is not heavy that he can't hear. His arm is not short that he can't save. I tell you, friend, would we cry? Would we seek after him? Would we long after him? Would you put the letter out there? Would you take it down to the house of God and say, Lord, would you read this? They spake of stone and David. Well, let me ask you something. You think David hadn't lost anything? Was David's wives gone? Was David's children gone? But they're going to stone him. I tell you who brought that about. God brought that about. What does David do? Well, they're going to stone him. I tell you what he's going to do. He's going to go to the Lord. He's going to encourage himself in the Lord. And he's going to wait for some direction. And God says, now listen, David, there ain't nobody else going to know what I'm going to tell you. Nobody's going to have the intelligence that I'm giving you. Nobody's going to have the insight I'm giving you. Uh, but when you see the goings in the top of the mulberry bushes, uh, then you go out, David, and you're going to recover everything. Thank God there's somebody that the trial is driving us to, and that's not to Moses, that's to the Lord. Get your eyes off of Moses. 
Moses has no confidence in Moses. Can you see that? Moses doesn't have any confidence in Moses. The Bible said they, they said to Moses, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord shewed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet, uh, that, that he made for them a statute. What, what's wrong with these waters? These waters are bitter. And you know something? There's a cure right there. There's a cure right there, right in the midst. A friend right there's a cure that's been there. How long has it been there? I don't know this. I don't know how long it's been there, but it ain't a bush. It ain't a sapling. Praise God, it's a tree. And you know what He's going to do? He's going to cut down the tree. He's going to cut down the tree and cast the tree into the water. And I'll tell you that God, through obedience and through prayer and through seeking after the desire, after the will and after the leadership of God, God is going to make the bitter to be made sweet. You think Moses is in a trial? He's in a trial just like they are. When it didn't rain for three and a half years, you think Elijah was in a trial? He's in a trial too. What are we going to do? I'll tell you, Moses, by the Word of God, God shoot him a tree. What does that mean, God shoot him a tree? Reckon he looked at it before? Reckon he saw it before? Reckon his eyes had been all over it before? Do you ever think that the answer may be right in front of us and we don't have uh, the spiritual insight to see it until God reveals it to us? Do you ever think that we need God uh, to open our eyes? Uh, God to give us a vision for God to show us the way, for God to reveal how the answer for God. Oh, Lord, this is so bitter. Uh, God, I just don't know how I'm going to take this. Oh, I tell you, that's what He's doing. He's bringing us to a place of bitterness. Our friend, that we might call on Him, that we might seek after Him, that we might long after Him. Our friend, I'll tell you what He can do. He can open our eyes and help us to see that there's a solution there. I believe here's a man. I believe there's a man right here in bitterness. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Who set the race before us? Almighty God set the race before us. Now listen, who's Moses looking to? And Moses cried unto the Lord, looking unto Jesus. Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author. You know what that is? That's the originator. Praise God, He's the author. He's the originator. He's the finisher. He's the alpha. And praise God, He's the omega as well. He's not just the beginning, but He's the ending. He's the start. He's the finish. He's the originator. And He is the finisher of my faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Preacher, I don't see any joy. I know the reason we don't see any joy is all we can see is the bitterness. 
We can see the water that we can't drink, but we can't see what God is uh, desiring to show us. You know, we've not got to the place to call on God yet, have we? They never got to the place they called on God. It was Moses that called on God. And Moses, I saw the tree. God showed him the tree. I believe Moses cut it down and cast it into the water. And I'll tell you what he was doing. He had his eyes on something else besides the bitter water. What do I need to do in my trial? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now remember this. Let us run with patience the race set before us. If God's in control of that, God's in control of every obstacle. God's in control of every hurdle. God's in control of every detour. God's in control of every swamp. He's in control of every high hurdle. He's in control of every snake pit. He's in control of everything that's along my course. And I want you to know this. He knows in my bitterness how to make it sweet that I can endure it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him, can I look to Him? Consider Him who endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest you... What what have they done? What's Israel done? Honest to God, they fainted. I ask you this, verse 18. Is the reign and the glory and the praise to God not coming from the mind? I don't mean that's all that's involved. I mean the mind is involved, is it not? As they remember, as they saw, as they saw God destroy Egypt. You know what's involved right here? The mind. What are they doing? Well, we've been three days in the wilderness with no water. We come to the water, and instead of being something that looked like our trial was over, looked like everything was going to be great, and instead of that, we've got a greater obstacle now. Now we've got a yearning and a longing and seeing the water and want it, and we can't have it. If we don't look to Jesus, we're going to faint. We're going to give up. We're going to roll over. And the devil is going to destroy us. And he cast the tree into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Why does God bring these trials? I believe He brings them to show us our absolute dependence upon Him. I believe He brings them that we be not exalted in ourselves. You know, Paul said he was called up to the third heaven and saw revelations and said, no doubt, I'll I'll, I'll come to greater. I'll come to more revelations. But he said there was a thorn. There was a, a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh given unto me unless I should be exalted above measure. You know something? If everything goes well, I believe that prosperity destroys more people than trials. 
The ease of God in our life, everything going our way, destroys us much more so than trials. Trials bring us to God. Trials bring us to littleness. Trials bring us to humbleness. Trials bring us to cry. Trials bring us to bitterness of soul. And friend, it feels like we're going to die under this, but we cry unto the Lord, and the Lord is able to deliver us. I don't like trials. Who does? No chastening for the present is joyous, isn't it? Is it joyous? Is chastening joyous? It's grievous, isn't it? But you know what it's going to do? It's going to work its work that I might see where my strength is and where my strength is not. It's going to bring me to a place of a dependence upon God and realize my littleness, my weakness, my inability. It's going to bring me to a place that I cry out unto God. He says to us in Psalms, He says in Psalm number 41, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. I tell you, if God will just smile on you. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? If God will just smile on you. I tell you how wonderful that it is. Also in the book of Psalm, Psalm number 30 and verse number 5, listen to these words. Psalm number 30 and verse, verse 5. For His anger endureth but for a moment, and His favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Psalm 126 and verse number 5. 126 and verse number 5. Listen to the words of the psalmist here. 126 and 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I'll tell you something. Moses wept and sowed in tears, and God let the bitter waters be turned sweet. Isn't that right? I just I just read to you just a few weeks ago, a few services ago, about a man named Joseph. You think Joseph was in bitterness? Listen to what God did for Joseph. The Bible says in in Psalm or in, in Genesis chapter number forty-one and verse number fifty-one, and Joseph called the name of the firstborn. He had two boys. He called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God had made me forget all of my toil and my father's house. You know what? A friend, just a few minutes can make a huge difference uh, whether we think about and remember bitterness or we think about the sweetness and the goodness. I tell you, God can make you forget the bitterness and make you think about the sweetness. He didn't only, he didn't only forget the bitterness. But listen, he said, the name of the second is called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful. And I believe that's exactly what he meant. God caused it. 
It was God's will. It was God's purpose. Our friend, in this bitterness, in this trial, in this tribulation, I tell you, it's God that brought them to the land of Shur. It says that Moses brought them there, preacher. I tell you, God was leading Moses and Moses was following God. And when the people began to murmur against Moses, Moses cried to God. How about that lady named Hannah? You remember her? What did the Bible say about Hannah? The Bible said about Hannah in Samuel chapter number 1, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Verse number 20, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. What was she asking for? I tell you, she was asking for some sweetness in the bitterness of soul she had. Chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the Bible said, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the God. And my mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. I'll tell you what happened. Bitterness of soul has been turned into rejoicing. How about Job? 42 chapters of trial. 42 chapters of sorrow. Chapter number 42, verse number 11. Then Then there came unto him, I'm sorry, verse number 10, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. There came unto him all of his brethren, all of his sisters, all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil. Now remember, who's in charge? Why, the devil is. Job never ever gave any credit to the devil, even when his children were killed. Even when his crops were destroyed. Even when his sheep were slain. Even when his camels were stolen. It was all the hand of God. And comforting him over all the evil. Preacher, the Lord is not the author of evil. The Bible says He is. He's not the one doing the evil, but He's the one that's putting it all together. The devil is the one on time's side. The devil is the one on the horizontal committing the evil. The Holy Ghost led Jesus Christ in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Do you hear me? That's the book. This is the book. God can't have anything to do with evil. Well, He had everything to do with Job's trial, 42 chapters of it. God had everything to do with it. And what you're going through, what I'm going through, what our families are going through, what you'll face tomorrow, next week, or next month, or next year, is all in the hand of Almighty God to bring us from a place of bitterness to a place that we look to the Lord. I tell you, He can change it from bitter to sweet. 
He did for Joseph. He did for Hannah. He did for Job. He did for the psalmist. He did for David. He can and He will for me and for you. You follow this pattern and He'll do the same way. He's a God who changes not, is He not? Is that not the Word of God? That's the Word of God. Just a little more. Bear with us just a, just a little bit more. And there, there, there He made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there He proved them. And He said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in His sight, and will ever give ear to His commandments, and will give ear to His commandments, and keep His statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. <laughs> now, I didn't do this on purpose. But I won't, this is what I wrote down. Here's the providence of God. Here's the proving of God. Here's the provision of God. Here is God bringing them to a place of pleasantness. You know where they're going to be the next day? They're going to be at Elam the next day. Twelve wells and seventy palm trees in the desert. You talk about from bitterness to rest. My God, from a place of sorrow and hopelessness to a place that they can rest and enjoy it. A place that there's more than enough. I tell you, 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees. A friend, here is a place you can sit down and rest. You know what God's saying? God is saying, let me say this to you, friend. Not only is God proving them... God is proving Himself that He will provide for them, take care of them, love them, care for them, bring them to a place of pleasantness and a place of rest. Every bit of that brought about by trial. Would there have been 21 verses in chapter 15 of Exodus of praise if there had not been a Red Sea crossing. Would there? They went from Mara to Elam. One day, one day, all the difference in the world. And there He proved them. There's the trial. There's the temptation. Where? Where are we going to look? Another day brought them to Elam. Another day. (laughs) They were palms. They were date palms. Date palms. Sweet dates. Plenty of water. Plenty of shade. A place to rest in the desert. 
Who brought him there? Was it Moses? <laughs> but let's be fair. Was Moses an instrument for God to use to bring them there? Isn't that right? Did not Moses, was Moses not used? Was David, when they spake of stoning him, was David encouraging himself in the Lord and getting his intelligence about the watching of the goings in the mulberry trees, was he not the means for them to have the victory? So what about you and I? If we're going to get to Elam, is there a course to get to Elam? Well, it looks to me like they came through the Red Sea. That was a great trial on the other side and a great victory on Canaan's side. They left the Red Sea and went three days into the wilderness. What a great trial and looks like we're going to die right here. We see the water and it, it, we were finished with our trial. Thank God it's over. Now we turn the heat up. And after that, when Moses calls on the Lord and God gives him the statutes and the commandments and proves them, he also does this. He says, I can make the bitter water sweet and I can heal you and I can give you rest. He can heal us both naturally and spiritually, folks. And He can give us a peace and a rest. Why? Why these trials? I say, why these trials? For His glory. Bitter water, praise to God. Bitter water, praying and crying unto God. Bitter water, humbleness. Bitter water, I'm hopeless. Bitter water, I'm out of resources. The only place I can look to is to God. You might as well count on it. You might as well count on it. And they came to Elam where there were twelve wells of water, three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there. <laughs> I tell you what a beautiful place. Don't you imagine that seventy palm trees and twelve wells of water, don't you imagine that look like an oasis in the... What, what a place that that must have looked like to sore, weeping eyes. Thank God. He can bring us to Elam.